Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we will finish our study of the second book of Kings of Mulachim Bet, chapter 25, Parak Chafei. We just read of the destruction of the Holy Temple, the breach of the city of Jerusalem, and how the city uh, was besieged for several years, for three years, by the armies of Babylon. And now eventually Nebuzaradon, who was the head of the armies of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, uh, came into the city, destroyed the city, burnt it down, smashed the walls, and left only a few of the poorest of the poor to tend to the fields so that the crops shouldn't be lost. A few people left in Judah. We're up to verse 22. And these few people, and the people who were remained within the land of Judah, Asher Hishir Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, <coughs> left in Babylon and did not exile to Babylon. And he appointed over them as a governor at Gedalyahu ben Achikam ben Shafan. Gedalyahu, the son of Achikam, the son of Shafan. So here he left a governor in charge of those who remained. And the captains, the uh, the uh, officers in charge of the various armies, they and the men that were with them. Remember, we said that they, the armies attempted to escape uh, along with King Tzidkiyahu. They were captured. But when Tzidkiyahu was captured, the people scattered. So throughout the land, <coughs> presumably hiding in various places, scattered throughout the land, were the remnants of the armies of Judah that had not been captured by the Babylonians, roaming throughout the deserts and countryside and mountains and caves, etc. When they heard the news, uh, that Gedalyahu that was was put in charge by the king of Babylon by Avol Gedalyahu Mitzvah they came to Gedalyahu to Mitzvah Mitzvah was the gathering place where the people back way back in the time of Joshua when the people came into the land gathered in Mitzvah we had this uh, as a gathering place in the time of Samuel this was a an old gathering place. So they gathered here again, uh, almost uh, reminiscent of the old glory days. These are warriors being named Yishmoel, the son of Netanya, Yochanan, the son of Koreach, Usiroyo, Ben Tanchumet, Hanetofati, Viyazanyahu, Ben Hamaachosi. All of these leaders of various bands of surviving Judean soldiers all came to Gedalyahu. They heard that now there was a leader. We will go and serve under him. And Gedalyahu swore to these men and to, to these leaders and their men. And he said to them, Do not be afraid of these servants of the Chaldeans, in other words, of the Babylonian soldiers that are still in the land. In other words, don't treat them like enemies. Don't continue the fight. Shavuba Aretz, live in the land, and serve the king of Babylon, and all will be fine with you. In other words, end the fighting, end the war. We lost. We should accept the um, 
fact that we are now under the thumb of the Babylonian Empire, live in peace. In other words, don't fight a guerrilla campaign. Don't think that we're gonna, I'm going to be your king and leader and reestablish a new monarchy and everything. It's over. At least that phase is over. However, these people did not like that idea. And it was in the seventh month. This is, of course, the month of Tishrei, right? Yishmoel ben Netanya, Yishmoel, the son of Netanya ben Elishama, Mizera Hamalucha, who was of the royal family, and ten men with him, and they assassinated Gedaliahu and killed him and he died. Because they didn't like him kowtowing to the Babylonians, they wanted to continue the fight despite the fact that the fight was long lost. And not only him, but they also killed those Jews that remained in his, in his place. So Gedaliahu had set up a command post, maybe a, a palace of sorts, not necessarily a palace, but a home or maybe a tent or whatever it was. The Jews that were with him, that were loyal to him, they killed them. And the Babylonian officials that were there with him, the Chaldean officials, they killed them as well. And the entire nation at this point, now afraid that, oh no, now we rebelled again, the full wrath of the Babylonian army is going to come down upon us is what they assumed. And they assumed that they had no hope anymore to stay and beg mercy of the Babylonians. So they all got up, and the remaining heads of the various other bands, and they went to Egypt. That was the only place to go because they were afraid of the Babylonians. Egypt had been subdued but not conquered by Babylon. So Egypt's influence within this area of the Middle East had been completely wiped out. But Egypt itself remained independent, so it was a place where they could run and be, at least in theory, safe from the Babylonians. So this ended the last group of, the last major group of people of Judeans to live in the land of Judah until, of course, um, we're going to read later, not in this book, uh, uh, but in other books of the people's return to rebuild the second temple, but that's a couple generations in the future. <laughs> and it just so happened that in the 37th year of the exile of Yehoiachin, the king of, Yeh- of Judah, so Yehoiachin, remember, he was the king that was exiled first, and then Tzidkiyahu was made king. So, 37 years after that, Bishneim Asar Chodesh, in the 12th month, Biasrim Lashiva Bachodesh, on the 27th day of the month of Adar, Nasa Evil Mirodach, Evil Mirodach by this point took over the kingdom from Nebuchadnezzar. He raised up Melech Bavel, uh, Melech Bavel, the king of Babylon, Bishnas Malcho, in the, um, the year, the first year of his kingdom. He raised up at Rosh Yehoyachin Melech Yudimi Beit Kela. In other words, he raised him out of the prison. So Yehoyachin had been in prison for 37 years, and Evel Morodach brought him out of prison. Presumably by this time, there was no longer any threat of Yehoyachin um, 
trying to reestablish himself of king of Judah and rebelling against Babylon, he brought him out of the um, of jail. And he spoke nicely to him. And he put, gave him a throne um, above the other thrones of the other kings that were with him in Babylon. In other words, he favored him. And there was other kings that had been taken captive when their countries were conquered. And they were all uh, kind of within Babylon being treated with some level of honor. And he put Yehoiachins above them in a, a place of a little bit more honor. Vishina at Big Day Kilo, and he changed him out of his clothing, um, uh, his his clothing, his of his jail, his prison clothes. And he gave him food to eat uh, before the king the rest of the days of his life. So this is a tiny glimmer of hope, a glimmer of hope that the people of Judah and their once their leader of once upon a time being given some honor which must have given given a little breath of hope to the people the judeans that are now exiled in babylon to um that maybe maybe there's some hope for their future exactly what that would entail what that would mean remains to be seen at this time in history of course we know from with our with our 2020 hindsight glasses what happened in after this but this is a little tiny glimmer of hope so that we don't end this book on just total disaster and for the rest of his life every day he got his his meal his regular meal each and every day for the rest of his life and this is the end of the story this is Yehoyachin fast forward um couple generations and Yehoiachin's descendant Zerubbabel is going to be one of the leaders of the return to, to Zion, return to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the second temple but that remains in the future this book ends on a very sad note but with a little tiny glimmer of hope just so that we don't end on complete sadness it was been a pleasure reading this first and second book of Kings so many lessons, so many things we've learned, so many stories, so many personalities, so many um, successes, so many failures. But ultimately, it was um, uh, you know a kingdom that was so great once ended up being a kingdom that was destroyed due to arrogance, due to unwillingness to learn the lessons that the prophets were trying to teach the people. Um, this was a... Um, a tragic tragic moment in the history of the Jewish people but the people didn't give up as we see later as we'll see you know as the the books many of which we've read together and the books of, uh, of Daniel and the books of Ezekiel we see the visions of, of the future of the rebuilding and then we see in the books of Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi we saw how the people did come back the people that started to rebuild <coughs> And uh, history goes on. I really appreciate that you stayed with me throughout this. Uh, my next um, book we're going to study together. Uh, since we've been studying together now for, this is my fifth year doing these podcasts. We started with the book of Isaiah back in 2019. <coughs> um, is going to be the uh, book of Job. It's going to be a quite a change. 
Uh, the reason why I'm choosing the book of Job next is, number one, because I want a little bit of a change, <coughs> um, a change from a book of narrative to more of a book of poetry, more a book of, of uh, one of what you call the wisdom literature, the, specifically the book of Job. Has a, it's a difficult book to read, but also a book with a lot uh, of thought-provoking poetry. Another reason why I'm choosing Job next is because it most likely was written sometime in this time period, the end of the first temple period. Uh, we'll discuss that a little more when we get to Job, although, uh, but it, it would seem to be most appropriate to date it, date the writing of the book of Job to approximately this period of time. Um, Job deals with, uh, Eov in Hebrew and Job in English deals with the issue of, of, um, why sometimes good people suffer. Uh, and uh, I hope you join me for that as well. Have a wonderful day. And I'm looking forward to moving on to the next book of the Bible that we'll study together. Take care. Have a wonderful day.